The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Saints History, told and experienced the way God intended it, with excessive amounts of alcohol and cursing. The booze is probably bourbon because... Their alcohols are for rich women on diets. Now, here's your drunk Saints History host, who is... Bombed out of his gourd. Alright, welcome to a belated edition of Drunk Saints History. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. Listen, we do a thing here where we started it last year. We told people that if you donated $25 for the entire football season, which was four months, you would get in a raffle, and then we would do Drunk History with you. Uh, or if you just want to donate for eight months at $25, you don't even have to be in the raffle. You just go. And the problem was getting it logistically set up with all the wonderful patrons that committed to it and, and finding days that work for them has, be has become more challenging than we imagined. But this is the first one, and it's Jim Grimsley. He's a super fan, and we're going to talk about some stuff. But Jim, what possessed you to say, I want to be on Drunk History. I I'm, I'm going to donate $25 a month, which we love. But what possessed you to be like, yeah, I want to I be on Drunk History with Ralph? Well, I think, Ralph, it was the fact that you begged so much for more money, and I figured <laughs> if I gave you some money, you would quit begging. That that ultimately became it's the real true. reason. It's true. Yeah. For anybody <laughs> Well, before we get to what you're drinking, I will say, besides having just a – we do the podcast for fun and listen. Me and Andrew, we would do it, and, and Dave we and Kevin some most some of the time when he's on it. We would do it for free. But my thing is – my wife is a wedding planner, and she is fantastic at it. She does a great job. But we've had a child, and she has to take some of the crummiest, hardest weddings to do. And I was like, you know what? I want to get my podcast to a reasonable amount of money so I can just give it to you, and you don't have to do these crummy, hard weddings all the time, and it'll make your life easier, and when your life is easier, my life is easier. So people, that is my goal for this podcast. I just need to raise enough money so my wife can do one less difficult wedding a month and make my life easier. So that's it. But Jim, I am drinking... Bud Light tonight. I have gone cheap and easy tonight, and they're going down smooth as I was watching the Bucks and Celtics uh, and getting ready for this podcast. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking uh, 2010 Pine Ridge Cabernet. Oh, my God. Good, it's classy. Good, good red wine. And, and Jim, he gave me a fantastic idea. Jim, tell the people your idea to help the podcast get more patrons. Uh, that you pitched to me before we uh, started recording. Well, I, I think the idea of a koozie is a great idea. I love it. I'm waiting for mine to come in the mail. But the ships I this also week, by the way. I also said you probably have some patrons who drink wine, and you probably and a Saints Happy Hour wine glass would be a great addition to the portfolio. Well, I'm going to tell you this about Andrew. Andrew, not only does Andrew hate IPAs. But I'm going to give people a little inside information. 
Andrew's wife is like a high-powered world-traveling executive, and she goes all over the world to train people and do stuff like far places like Pakistan and all over the world, right? And Andrew gets left with his his kids, and he will text me on like a Friday or Saturday night. He's like, the kids are in bed, and I'm drinking wine. So that's 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 Andrew. But so our first topic that me and Jim are going to do, we're going to do two shows. You'll you'll hear Jim on this one, and then we'll do we'll have a second with you. But the first one we're going to do, and this got me so excited. I said, Jim, you know, he he was like, what topic should I do? What should we talk about? And I was like, look, here's the topics we're going to do. Let's pick a Saints player that they drafted that we thought was going to be amazing. And they ended up being a complete bust. So, Jim, tell the people the player that you picked because it got me so excited and nerded out on draft history. Tell the people the name and what era of Saints football he's from. Well, you know, before you can even get into the name of the person I ultimately picked, because it was hard to pick one. Because when I went back to just pick one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I went back to the Saints draft choices, and I came across, you know, the obviously the Russell Erksleben in '79, Joe Campbell, you know, the ultimate defensive end in '77, Larry Burton, who was going to be the greatest wide receiver in NFL history in '75. <laughs> but I tell you what, when when I got to 1974, and I got to Rick Middleton. He was a linebacker for Ohio State. I my head just exploded because I remember when the Saints picked him, and they could have picked Randy Gratishar, who was a, a perennial <laughs> Pro Bowler, borderline and, borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah, he. I mean, I think actually, I think he made the Hall of Fame, and he is just an unbelievable linebacker, and he was an All American for like two or three years. Middleton hardly made Big Ten, and the Saints drafted him. It was unbelievable. You know, it was classic New Orleans well, Saints drafting. Well, here's the thing, though. Th- this makes it even better that that you, the, a detail that you left out and and, when, and this and I love this because my first column I ever did for Channel Four, I did the top ten biggest bust in Saints history and Mike Dettelier was kind enough to sit with me when I was God, it must be seven, six, 15, 16 years ago now, where you know I was early 20s and I was a nobody and he sat with me and explained to me all the draft failures of the Saints in the 70s and he had Rick Middles and I think is like one of his all time worst Saints draft busts and here's the reason man, you say that Randy Gratisher was a, a borderline Hall of Famer with Denver and a two-time All-American at Ohio State. And Rick Middleton played next to him. And the Saints whiffed on that pick, right? But teams do that all the time, right? Clemson is good. Like, Clemson, they had like three, four defensive linemen picked this year. Like, one of them is going to be a complete dud, right? And and, and, and we're going to make jokes for the rest of the time. Be like, you had the pick of the four de- – good defensive lineman for Clemson. Three of them ended up being really good. You picked the dud. How terrible could you be? But the funny thing about the Rick Middleton pick for the Saints, Jim, was the Saints picked Rick Middleton at 13, and the very next pick, Denver was like, ah, you, you completely messed up, Saints. We're taking we're taking Randy Gratishire. Like, they went back to back, and yeah. just 
it it just encapsulates everything that was wrong with the Saints in the seventies. As I take a, a swig well, of my Bud Light, and I have to tell you, the thing that still sticks with me, and this tells you what a diehard Saints fan I am, and and maybe how uh, how I've been impacted by it. I still remember the Saints coaches saying, "Yeah, the only thing about Rick Middleton is." He needs to gain upper body strength. And it's like, <laughs> wait a second. You just picked, you picked him like 13. 11th in the first round, and he needs upper body strength. And he was horrible. I don't know if he made a tackle the whole time he was with the Saints. He just got I completely mean, run over. I mean, his Wikipedia, I'm going to read his entire Wikipedia. Is a Rick Ray Middleton is a former American football player who played linebacker in the National Football League from 1974 through 78. He attended Rutherford B. High School in Delaware, Ohio, and played college football at The Ohio State University. He is now a high school history psychological government teacher at Olentangy High. That's it. That's his entire <laughs> Wikipedia page, man. He got picked 13th in the first round. The Saints traded him. He played at San Diego. Like, um, my God, my God. Did you, you know, did you say earlier he had – I didn't realize he had drug issues. I knew there was some – Well, that was the – the, the Saints, they shipped a lot of people out in 75, 76. You know, he wasn't attached to it, but they kind of had to clear out their locker room. And they had to do it later with Muncie, obviously, and Muncie admitted to, oh, the, yeah. to the issues he had. But I will tell you, man. You you look at the at the uh, at the seventy at the uh, you know, and this and the thing is, the Saints they uh, they traded back from eight to thirteen. You know, uh, they flipped with Detroit, I guess, in that draft. But I'm going to tell you, look at some of the players that the Saints could have had. Uh, Henry Lawrence ended up being a really good defensive tackle. Uh, Roger Carr for Baltimore ended up being really good. Uh, this is a guy, uh, Keith Fanhorse. He's a he was a tight end for San Francisco. But the the, the seventy that draft wasn't that great. I mean, except the Steelers got here's forty five forty six. Dave Casper, Jack Lambert. You know, I mean, like the Saints were yeah. just so look, like in the seventies. Here's a story that Buddy D used to always tell, and I loved it every time he told it. And I think it's in the I think it's in the uh, in the Who Dat History book or uh, with of Wayne Mack uh, of the Saints history up until the his Saints history goes from sixty seven to about ninety ninety one. If you can get it on Amazon, I highly recommend it. It's probably that and Jeff Duncan's book, Tales from the Saints Sideline, they're probably the two best Saints history books. Who that history is more chronological and, and has better stuff. But here's the story. Tom Fears, uh, they had a draft board, and the Raiders picked a guy, I want to say, I forget who it was, in like 1969-70. And the Saints head scout, or, or Fred Williams, was like, he's not even on our Board. Who the hell are they picking? And the Saints coach Tom Fears turned to him and goes, "If he ain't on our fucking board, maybe our fucking board is trash." And they, <laughs> they got in. They almost got into a fight, right? And, and that just summed up the Saints. Like in the seventies, they just like didn't know 
what they were doing. And, and like, the Rick Middleton pick just, like, encapsulates. I mean, you could do so much of it in the 70s, but the Rick Middleton pick really sort of encapsulates the incompetence of it. Well, you know, I when like I said, when I went through the uh, list of draft choices from Ken Burroughs in 1970 to Larry Burton in 75, and then the killer was when I looked at the 1995 draft. We were still trying to find a wide receiver. We drafted Lindsey Scott, <laughs> Eugene Goodlow, and Kenny Duckett. You know, and it's just it's like we had we had 25 years, and the only wide receiver we had that was any good during that time frame was actually Eric Martin, who ran like a four eight forty, but he was yeah. the only guy that could catch the ball. Yeah, I mean the the thing with the Saints that was just uh, in the seventies was just. You know, they just didn't – not only did they not know what they were doing, but the thing that always boggles my mind, and I always come back to it, and it just it, – in 2019, I can't even – the mind can't even comprehend it. I couldn't comprehend it in the 90s when I would read about Saints history. John Meekum, he bought the team with his dad's – Money, his dad's oil money in in 1967. He got the they got they gave him the expansion team. Yep. John Meekum was 26 years old. I mean, can you? I couldn't even pay rent barely when I was 26. <laughs> I can't imagine owning a football team. And you know, he wasn't like some fabulous up-and-coming entrepreneur that invented something great or had done something wild. His family had money. Like, for the NFL to just be like, yeah, give the 26-year-old kid the expansion team in New Orleans. Like, like I can't... Like, my head, it's just... It, like, I, I just... I would have wanted to be in that meeting when they decide that that's a good idea. Well, yeah. And then, you know, it only <laughs> took Meekum 20 years, and he had to have been so frustrated and embarrassed with, because he, he, like you said, he was 26 years old and, you know, no telling who he was surrounding yeah. himself with from an advice Just, standpoint and picking all the wrong people. Right. I mean, they hired, you go through they, our they list, hired an astronaut. Yeah. You go through, you know, Gordon as the astronaut, as the GM, and then you look at the coaches there was nobody, you know, from J.D. North to Tom Fears to, you know, just that whole laundry list of people. There was nobody there that had a record of doing anything. Then they finally brought Stram in. And actually, I can remember thinking about Stram, that this was going to be the beginning. And, you yeah. know, obviously he and Meekum didn't get along. And I forget who the GM was with, with, uh, with Stram. Well, but he, he lasted, what, two years? Two and a, I mean, the it problem wasn't very for, long. Stram had two problems. One, he was he he his drafts weren't very good, and that's back in the seventies. Like that's how you had to build your team. Like building a team, yeah. building a team, you did it through the draft. He had multiple problems. One, Meekum wasn't patient enough. Like in the, in the seventies, man, even the Steelers, like it took. It took two, three, four years. Unless you, unless you had like a 2017 Saints draft, it took two, three, four years to yep. get your team where you needed it to be because you didn't have free agency, man. The draft was it, and so Meekum didn't have patience. So that 
hurt Stram. Archie was hurt a ton of the time under Stram, so he didn't have Archie to be his quarterback. And two, he just his drafts weren't good enough. And those three things conspired against him. Also, he burned through Meekum's money like crazy. Yeah. Um, um, which well, Meekum, of course, a guy that he was the classic guy that had an unlimited budget and overspent it. I mean, he was. <laughs> he was. <laughs> But I mean, so so Rick Middleton was was your choice, and he just he encapsulated everything bad in the seventies. But 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 you you picked him. But but did you you really thought when you were young, like you thought he was going to be something good when they when they? Uh, well, when when I when they picked him, you know, I had to do some research, and you know, back then it was hard to do research. But I expected them to pick Randy Gratishar because we always needed linebackers, and he was the obvious yeah. choice. And then when they picked Middleton, I, I was shocked. But I said, you know, unfortunately, I thought these guys must know what they were doing. <laughs> and obviously, that wasn't the case. And that was that was the beginning or the continuing saga of the Saints not knowing what they were doing until until we got into the mid '80s, until we got Mora and Benson and and a whole new crew in there to try and right the ship. Yeah. So my choice for um Saints draft pick that uh I loved that ended up being a dud um because I I I didn't I didn't like when when I when it, when I did it and I wanted to say um uh you know not a bust right as as I as I as I as I as I drink on this Bud Light. I didn't want to just pick a guy like Jonathan Sullivan uh, and be, ah, oh, he was a bust and this and that. Because, I, you know, when they pick like Jonathan Sullivan, I was like, ah, I hope it works out. But I didn't have this like, yes, that's a great pick. When the Saints picked Troy Davis in the third round in 1997, we had the Ditka euphoria because that was Ditka's first year, right? And he was going to come in and he was going to make the Saints tough and he's going to run the ball and yeah he Schuler was probably going to be a disaster but we talked ourselves into that being okay but when he picked Troy Davis I was like yes that dude at Iowa State was awesome Iowa State was terrible they gave him the ball 400 times a year it didn't matter he was he was great and and he's going to well, be he great gained, he gained he gained like 2,000 yards a year for two straight years it just yeah. seemed like he had to be great yeah, like his his in '95 for for Iowa State, he had 345 attempts. He ran for 2,000 yards, averaged 5.8 a carry. In '96, he ran for 2,185 yards, averaged 5.4, scored 21 touchdowns, and so like he had a ton of carries, but. He averaged five yards a carry, and it was a legit. You know, it wasn't like he was some from some tiny school. I mean, Iowa State, they're you know they're. They always struggle in football, but you know the big, te- the, the big, the big eight and the big ten and the big twelve. What it was back then. I mean, that was a legit conference, right? So I was excited for him, and it, with the Saints, he was so terrible. Like he was like, you know what so he's why like. Why was he terrible? Why was he terrible? He, you know what he's like. He was like Darren Sproles. If you took away all Darren Sproles' quickness and burst. That's what Troy Davis. That's what Troy Davis was. He was small, but he was also slow. And I don't know how he got all those yards in college, um, but man, when he played with the Saints, he 
was um, he was awful. Um, you know. Well, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking at his stats with the Saints, <laughs> and in '97 he had 271 yards. <laughs> In '98, he had 143. In '99, he had 32 yards. <laughs> he did have one touchdown, though. He did have one <laughs> touchdown. I mean, and they tried to make him the guy in '97. Man, he started seven games. He got a, you know, he 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 had a, he had a, you know a bunch of carries like they try to make him the guy like it wasn't it wasn't like he never really got you know you can't say oh he didn't really get a chance they had other guys it just didn't work out he got hurt no 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 Ditka was like that's my guy Troy Davis is my guy and he was terrible um and I love like he was so funny look because the thing is like small Dudes at receiver or running back are just more fun, Jim. Right? You know, we, we, because I don't know if 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 we bond to them because they, you know they're normal size humans. So normal size humans like me and you that root for for our NFL team, we we bond. They they seem more relatable, so we bond with them in a different sort of way. But I don't know, like undersized players, we root for them harder. And I just thought, man, Troy Davis was going to be the shit, and he just he just was not. And that's the thing, man. That's the thing on Twitter, Jim, that bothers me. People do not admit their draft day flaw. All these people that these wannabe draft analysts and real draft analysts, they never admit their flaws and their mis- misses. I'm telling you, I thought Troy Davis was going to be amazing, and he was terrible. Well, he actually, maybe you should be a draft analyst for the Canadian <laughs> Football League, Ralph. Because he actually did really well in the Canadian Football League. How? I mean, what, he had his... like... He he had like four one thousand yard years wow. in in the Canadian Football League for what that's worth, but he did. So maybe he was just a late bloomer. Well, they only have three downs in Canada. <laughs> they only have three downs in Canada, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any political statements. But when you only have three downs, that's like practically socialism. You know, they can, you can get a, you can get a punt when you miss a field goal. You can get a point when you miss a field goal. Like that's just, that's just weird. But no, I did, I did not know. I did not know that he went on to to thrive uh, in the North. Um, Well, that's, that's why I'm here, Ralph, is to help you out. Okay. (laughs) Kevin's not here. Dave's not here. So Andrew's not here. So I'm here to help you out. Thank you, Jim. So as we, as we, I, this is, this was, this was a great episode because I, the thing is to me, Jim, and, and, and I say this because I, I believe our Saints podcast is the most fun one, but I always like analysts and whoever, I find them more relatable if they can say, I got this wrong. I got that wrong. Oh, I was, you know, because we 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 know that these that these that the draft is this this random nonsense of it's 50-50 at best if you know what you're doing. So, all these people that pretend that they don't make mistakes, it just drives me bananas. Well, yeah, maybe one time we ought to do a political podcast and then we can we can talk about some of that shit i'm thinking you know people if you get us up to twelve hundred dollars a month 
certain patron pledges, I'm going to do a Twitter friends podcast where I just find interesting people on Twitter and we talk about the saints and it leads into different topics. And I have a list of about 20 people. Uh, so we're halfway there. So donate, you don't have to donate at the $25 level, but just donate at the $3 level, get yourself a koozie and help us get there. We'll do fun stuff. So, uh, this, this podcast, this episode of drunk saints history has been amazing guys i hoped i hope you liked it jim thanks for being such a generous patron uh thanks everybody we'll see you next time on saints drunk history take care thanks to all of our saints happy hour listeners whose donations made drunk saints history possible until next time remember surviving saints history is hard that's why god made alcohol There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? 
In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.